welcome to the Mega C-Suite Stories. I'm your host, Charmaine Tan, and today we have a very exciting episode to bring to you. We're just going to jump straight in and hear from the legendary Steve Katz. First of all, thank you Steve. It's late in your evening and as mentioned earlier, we have people joining us from different parts of the world, from the US, Malaysia, Singapore, and Colombia, Romania, Japan, India. So we have... I know, I know. So that's cool. Steve is very, very widely known in the circles as the world's first CISO. And he took the CISO role at Citicorp in 1994 before cybersecurity was even a thing. And he was the founder and first chairman of the FSISEC, which is dedicated to reducing cyber risk in the global financial system. So Steve is also the business owner of Security Risk Solutions. So Steve, you have a bag of stories and uh, you know, I really want to try and get as many questions out as possible. But we'll start off first before you go into the juicy story. Like if you have five minutes in front of a CEO, what would you talk to him or her about cybersecurity? How would you convince him or her to allocate more security budget? By not talking about security. CEOs, boards of directors, executive leadership will look at risk. And what risk, and so you make sure that you have a very clear determination as to what you want to say, what are the, what are the risks or risks you're looking to address, uh, explain it in terms of that the business will understand. There has to be a clear, clean, business-focused story as to why it's important, and what the risks are as you see them, and making it very clear that you are providing advice, number one. You'll never bring risk to zero, regardless of what, uh, you know, regardless of what the budget is. And I think I've mentioned it before, I'll tell the story again, and it's it's something I learned very early on. And uh, I had, I was totally unprepared for a presentation to the board of directors for Morgan Guarantee and Trust in the 1980s. Uh, we had a vendor come in, they demonstrated an antivirus product for us. We found viruses in my uh, area in, uh, in data security at the time. I went to see my boss, who's the CIO, and I said, Bill, we've got this virus issue. He said, don't have time now, talk to me tomorrow before the board, I have a board meeting presentation. Talk to me before the board meeting. So I went up to the board meeting, got him, <clears throat> spoke to him, explained it, and he said, Gotcha. Take my first five minutes and you tell you explain it to the board. Which was like a really scary situation because I was totally unprepared. But the the presentation gods worked for me. And it what is you know, I, I opened up and said, I don't know if you've seen any of the press or media about these things called computer viruses. They really do exist. So put yourself downstairs in a trading room and you're sitting at a trading desk and fives become zeros, sixes become nines, sevens become ones. What does that do to our trading position? So they weren't interested in viruses. They were interested in what they trading, what, what this could do to their trading positions and how much money they could lose by making really bad trades because the information was incorrect. Now, honestly, the viruses weren't that sophisticated at the time. They could have been. 
Uh, and the next question they asked was, well, can you make it go away? And I said, no, I can't, but I can reduce the mm -hmm. likelihood. And the two lessons were, tell a meaningful story that addresses business risk. And be totally honest about the fact that you can't make it go away. You can only reduce the risk to some degree. Got the budget, got credibility. And I think so the, if I, I went into the CISO, the CEO on an elevator, it hope, I will guarantee you if it was any of my clients or any of the CISOs that I work with, they will have already met the CEO. They will have, they will have had conversations because that's part of the CISO's job is to spend probably anywhere from a third to a half of his or her time as a security evangelist, as the head of security marketing, so that they have regularly, they have regular and routine meetings with executive leadership and with the board. So that this, and the other thing is to make sure that the mission of the information security group coincides with the mission of the corporation and how your mission is, you know, how your mission ties into the corporate mission. And this is why you are important. It, uh, but it's very much a risk, a risk discussion, not a security discussion. Uh, security mm -hmm. is how you make it happen. Yeah. And they're not interested in how you make it happen. They may be interested in the what and the why and the risk, but certainly not how. I love that because at the end of the day, it's funny because it's only in recent years that most security leaders are talking about security as risk, right? Um, and we have changed the language. But, you know, the fact that you've been having this conversation since the 1990s, talking to the CEO and telling them it's about risk. 1980s. 1980s. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yes, and even if the mindset, right, showing them that security is an enabler, right, you help to make things happen. So that's the beauty of what you've just shared. What, what are your thoughts, you know, in terms of how the CEO takes this message? Usually when you talk to them like that, how, how do they respond? They didn't respond very well because you've already, the first one, the, the first meeting you have can be a little challenging because he or she may not know who you are. So it says, okay, here's why I'm here. This is why I see it as being important. Uh, <clears throat> the when I started to work at City, I was too down to the CEO. And John Reed, who was the CEO at the time, was, you know, was a believer. Uh, when we did a our first security awareness program, and it was a VHS tape, VHS tape, we had John say that City has two products, money and trust. If you can't sell the trust, you will not be able to sell the money. Security has got to be, you have every, Every company has a trust commitment, a trust contract with their customer base, with their partners, with their, with their uh, staffs. And it's up to you to make sure that that security commitment is met. When that breaks down and you begin to lose the trust of your customer base, uh, there are other places for them to go. The, when I took the job at City, and some of you may have heard me say this before, uh, <clears throat> they told me that they were going to announce, well, City was breached in 1994. It was kept well under wraps. And they told me when I accepted the job, that a month after I got there, they would announce the breach, 
uh, and there's it was their international funds transfer system that was hacked. And they wanted me to go out and meet with the top 20 international clients and to limit the hemorrhage. So I went out and I was meeting with corporate vice president of finance, corporate controllers. Uh, these were not security professionals, these were financial professionals. So I went in with, I think it was roughly six questions. And I sat down and I said, okay, when you transact with somebody, do you care about who you're transacting with? Once you know who they are, do you want to be able to control what they do? Uh, if it's a transaction, do you want to sign receipts to the transaction? Is confidentiality of the data important? Is integrity of the data important? Is the, if something goes wrong, do you want to know about it? And how soon do you want to know about it? So mm -hmm. I put all those questions and watch them, you know, and listen to them. And they said, yes, yes, yes. I said, okay, here is how City is doing it today. And by the way, this part over here, this is why the breach occurred. So here's what, here's what we're doing today. Here's what we'll be doing six months from now. So the, what we had happened before will not happen again. And I said, so be, and before I leave, I'd like you to uh, do a couple of things. One, uh, here's my home phone number. Here's my office telephone number. At that time, we had pages. Here's my pager number. And I said, the, but the second thing I think you need to do, and it's truly important, is find out how you are doing this within your company so that you have some answers. And also go out and speak with the other banks you, you work with and see how they are asking, answering the questions, which I thought was a pretty fair piece of advice. And it was very clear, very concise. Here's what we do, why we do, and then how we're doing and how we will do. Within the next month, they all got back to me and said, the other bank said they can't talk to me about it because of security. And I said, that's absolutely bogus. You are depositing your funds with them. You are transferring your money through them. You have a right to know. City was hoping we wouldn't lose, you know, we wouldn't lose more than 50% of the customers. We didn't lose any. Because it was just plain, simple. Here's, here's what, here's why, mm -hmm. here's how, and today, and how it will be tomorrow. And I kept them informed. I said, I told you six months ago we would have this. Here's each month I sent emails out to them saying, we're making progress. The commitment I made to you is, you know, is working. We will make the six months that I committed to you. But the topic, the discussion started off about what and why. And they were happy with it and I was happy with it. Uh, their heads of security at times weren't happy because uh, their heads of finance got bouncing on their CISOs or the heads of data security and said, talk to City because they're doing it right and kind of figure out how you can make it work. So they weren't that happy with me, but uh, basic on it, you know, unaltered honesty, but in a language that is business focused, not security focused. They don't care about security, but they care about what, what does this mean to me? What does it do for me? Why is it important? Exactly. And yeah, it's not that well, it's very impressive because given the fact that this situation is so new back then, right? Where it's a big corporation that has been hacked, they want to keep it hush, and then you're thrown into the deep and you're asked to try to bring the bank through this crisis, right? 
Um, and that's a very daunting task. But I love how you've shared the practical steps and the approach you've taken to get them out of this. And at the end of the day, it actually built a lot more credibility, right, for the bank um, yeah. because of their, the way they've responded. But that's really our job as heads of, as heads of cyber, because our heads are, we really are, especially today's world, heads of cyber risk. We are there to, you know, you know, help our customers, obviously, work with the corporate leadership. Uh, and a key part of the job is making sure that you, you meet with the executive leadership periodically so they know who you are and you develop a level of credibility. Otherwise, they'll blow up all over you. When there's a problem, uh, all they know is they were paying somebody to be head of security. It fell, of, you know, it's, you know, it fell apart. Uh, maybe we need another head of security. But if you spend the time building the relationship, building credibility, it generally will work in your favor. I mean, certainly not 100% because nothing else is. Because that, and the, that's another risk. But the other, the key risk is every CISO runs the risk of getting fired unequivocally. If you're going to get fired, make sure you get fired for doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. Mm. Tale, tale from the crypt. Uh, City was launching a new product. And at the time, actually, I was reporting to the guy who was responsible for the product itself. And he calls me in his office and said, Tomorrow, uh, 30 days from now, we're launching this new product. Uh, we've got media events coming, we'll be, you know, television planned, and I want to make sure that you're okay with it. I called him back the next day and said, you can't go live. He said, well, you've got, you know, I said, there are too many risks there. He said, well, we've got to go live. I'm saying you can't go live. He says, I can fire you. I said, yes, you can. I said, in my parting act, we go into the board and say, you can't go live. And he said, <clears throat> well, does it have to go that far? I said, no, you can stop it and just uh, change, you know, fix the problems. And had he gone live the way it is, a year and a half worth of project development would have blown up. Uh, and I got the biggest bonus that year that I ever had because it actually, it saved his tail, saved his job, saved mm. the project. Uh, but the risk was I could have been, you know, walked out the door. And that would have been okay. Because mm, at the end of the day, you have to be, it's about integrity, right? And not mm. just about being a nice person because it doesn't do anyone any favors. You have to tell them as it is. But at the same time, it's also important, right? I think some of the listeners are talking about it's important to be able to articulate the problem well to the business because, you know, um, that's very key at the end of the day is how we communicate that. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and communication is the key. And the challenge we all have as CISOs is many of us get to that position by being brilliant technologists. That's a great skill. And it's probably the best safety net anybody has. Because if you're a brilliant technologist and you lose your job, you get a better one two days later. The CISO doesn't have that safety net. So you have to build a safety net. You have to build it on the soft skills that you may have, but have never, you know, never really used, or you may never, never have even wanted to. I mean, it's communication, it's negotiation, it is, uh, 
talking to executive leadership. I hired one guy at uh, at City years ago, a brilliant, brilliant technologist. And the commitment I had to make to him before he accepted the offer is I would never uh, ask him to make a presentation to anybody and I would never ask him to manage anybody because he wanted to do what he wanted to do and he was brilliant at it. Shortly after, I a couple years after I left actually, he took out a managerial role and the man was absolutely miserable. So find out what you want to do. Steve, we have uh, another question that came in from the audience uh, from Murray and she's asking like, you know, when you talk to the board, um, actually, I'm going to add a quick question on my own as well. Maybe if you can name the top three things that we should focus on to educate them about cyber risk and then on to Murray's question, you know, do you have any reports that you have ready to show them? What do you think is the best sort of reports to bring to the board? Okay, the, they really want to know a couple of hot buttons today are how are we doing compared to our peers? Are we better, worse, or the same? Uh, how are we doing with third-party risk? Because that tends to be an important topic and I've seen a lot of it. The other is, uh, as you look down the road, are we focusing on the right things? And another they will I've seen asked a great deal recently is, do you have enough talent and resources to do your job? Mm. Uh, I mean, they're not interested in detailed metrics about how many pings and how many viruses, how many vulnerabilities. Has uh, our risk posture changed? Are we improving or are we not improving? If we're not improving, why? Uh, and the other is, and most most folks on the board, uh, you know, are CEOs of other companies or on other boards, and they will ask you, you how you know my other company uh, folks are doing this and this. Is what you're doing better or 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 as good as, and why aren't you doing that? Uh, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out. My God, we had we stopped 8,700 attacks. So what? Anything you present to the board, any piece of information has to have a meaningful so what. Love that. Yes, yeah. very if important. If you have a meaningful so what, don't present it. Why should they know that? Otherwise, you're just giving a piece of information and say, hey, look how smart I am. Here's, mm. here's important to us. So the so what is incredibly important. Yeah, uh, that's actually something that the board directors, I've heard them talked about it. They say that people tend to focus too much on the technical jargons to make themselves sound very smart, but they feel that, you know, if you don't have the ability to explain complex things in a simple way, then they don't give you, they don't, they're not going to respect you in that way as well. They feel like you don't really know how to explain it well. You know what I mean? And I love that so what component. Very, very helpful. I mean, I, uh, I, um, Einstein, I had to quote attributed to him, whether from him or not, I don't know, but it's, if you can't make it simple, you do not understand it. Yes, yeah. The it's other awesome. thing I would tell people on my team, uh, when you present to executives or members of the board, they truly believe they are there because they are very smart. They may not be, but they truly believe they are. Mm -hmm. 
So if you present something to them and they don't understand it, mm. they believe it's because you were too incompetent to explain it. Yeah. So what I would ask my team to do is when they will go before they present to executives of the board, make sure the presentation passed the grandma test. Mm. If the doesn't understand it, the board's not going to. I mean, you don't, you, you don't want to be condescending. You want to leave room for them to drill down. And all that is terrific. Uh, but it has to be readily understandable. Mm. Uh, and they're more than willing to listen. Uh, there is a, there's a document that came out a couple of years ago that the National Association of Corporate Directors put out. Uh, I think it was called Cyber Risk Issues for the Board. It's available online. So if you search NACD and cyber risk, I think it's a 28-page document. It's just two years old, so it's not hardly dated. Uh, when it was, I was at an NACD meeting when the document was presented, and one of the gentlemen on the panel was on a couple of public boards and was teaching at two major universities as uh, adjunct. And he said the... CIO came in, and for the first time, the CIO came in and was really excited and happy. And he walked in and said, we've gone through our vulnerability management process, and we've patched every one of our major devices, except the six most critical ones that we have, because we didn't want to bring down the company. And the guy said, well, so our six most critical devices are still vulnerable. Did they get that right? Yes, you did. He said, then maybe you better go out and rethink your presentation. Because if our most critical devices are vulnerable, uh, with a planned remediation, what's going to happen to us with an unplanned attack? Mm. The CIO did not understand the business impact of what he was saying. And everything has to look at what is the impact of. Mm. Yeah. And I love how you're doing examples by itself, right? You're just, um, the way you answer questions, you do it with a story as well to make it very relatable and you put things in context. And uh, we only just have maybe a few more minutes. What we, we you know, because we everyone's so hungry and they've just stayed on all the way, I think. Yeah, I'm really so sorry for the mistake of time. No, sorry, Steve. I think it, yeah, it happens. So it's very interesting. Um, it's been a crazy morning, but um, you know what? There's two. Um, if we have time for just two more questions. Question from Abbas: What's the biggest challenge you face as a CISO during your early days? I think that's going to be quite helpful for people who are new to the role, maybe as well. I mentor a lot of newly appointed CISOs, mm. and so some of the questions, and this might be might be pertinent. Well, so in some of our early meetings, okay, you've now become a CISO. Why does your company have a security program? You would think that they would have a ready answer. All too often, they do not. Uh, the other is, how does your company generate revenue? What are the products and services your company provides? Who are your business leaders? Mm. Right. Learn your company's business. Uh, what is your company? Every, every company has a mission. 
uh, they work, they spend tens of thousands of dollars developing mission statements. How does your information security program tie into your company's mission statement? Great question. It's not that hard. The other is, my good, for goodness sake, don't ever confuse who you are with what you do. Mm. Define your job. There was a, a paper that came out about a year ago talking about how stressful the CISO job is and how many CISOs are turning to drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah. And I was asked about that and I said, I think my, the biggest risk they have is they have not defined their job and they're trying to run after perfection. If you are a molecular biologist at a large pharmaceutical company, uh, you will develop a molecule that will cure, you, cure the disease, whatever it may be. And you go through a phase one trial and a phase two trial and a phase three trial. And by the time you reach phase three, you've probably spent a billion and a half US dollars. And it fails at phase three. He's not fired. It's part of the job. Part of the CISO's job is to explain risk. We don't own risk, we advise on risk. And we explain the risk as we understand it and why we think we should go down path A versus path B. Mm. The benefits of path A versus path B. And then you let it go. I was given two great pieces of advice early on. And uh, one is learn to be a diplomat, not a politician. If you look at politics, it tends to be confrontational. It's us, them, us, them. The diplomat is, it becomes a we. Okay. And the second is there are times to get paid to make a decision and time to get paid to make a recommendation. Be aware of which one you were doing. Mm. If someone doesn't take your recommendation, don't take it personally. It's your recommendation. It is just a recommendation. It's your educated perspective. But just don't take it personally. I love that, Steve, because it's very timely in terms of your advice. You know, you have seen a lot. You have gone through so much, right? And and there are a lot of newer leaders here who are just so hungry to learn. And in just this session alone, you have packed so many practical tips and advice. And, you know, like the chat box is just going crazy. People are, you know, even like they're just sharing their thoughts as well. They are also answering each other's questions. But they love, I see a lot of feedback coming in that they really appreciate what you've shared. They said the session has been so helpful. Uh, I think some of your old friends are saying hi to you <laughs> from the US. I don't know, you can have a look at it later. But you know what? That's a perfect way to end this session. I just really want to thank you, Steve, for taking this time in the evening to do this, you know, and even going, giving us a lot more minutes uh, out of what we have actually originally allocated. So really, thank you for taking and the time you, to do this. Okay, if you have more time, I stay here for you and get a, we'd love to have been able to spend more time with you guys. Yeah, we should do a part two, actually. How about that? Absolutely, just let me know if, the, if people want it, more than happy to do it. Yes, thank you so much, Steve. And the rest of you, this is going to be on YouTube. You can catch up to this or share this with your friends or people that you feel should be 
hearing more about this message, right? Um, there's so many gold nuggets that Steve has shared today. And um, yeah, thank you once again, everyone. Let's keep the conversation going. So I just want to thank all of you for joining us today. And we will see you at the next one. In the meantime, thank, thank you, you Steve. Thank everyone, thank you for your time. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.